Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Comfort Free Conversations. This week's episode is Can a Person Believe They're Evil? It's been one of my favorites so far. If you like what I'm done or you're interested, follow me at comfort underscore free on both Instagram and TikTok. Also, rate this podcast five stars and pass it on to your friends if you think it'll stimulate some interesting conversations. And as always, we're here to undo everything you think you know. How you doing, Miss Amina? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. We had a good day. I'm always awesome. excited for Wednesdays. You know, me me too. This is actually my first podcast of the week. So I am excited. I am uh, excited. I had a little vacay, so it's great to bring in this new week with an amazing co-host. So yeah, I'm excited. Awesome. I'm excited. That's cool. cool. I I got a refreshed, I got a refreshed Amina ready to be inquisitive and to to debate with me a little bit about an interesting topic. Okay. Without further ado, guys, welcome to Comfort Free Conversations where we question anything and challenge everything. Um, that is the motto. So today here, we're having a conversation about evil, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I know this seems kind of speculative or just like a casual conversation. And I guess in some sense of the word, it is just for, just for fun. But I think that it leads into a much larger conversation, one that I've been having with several people lately. Um, so let's take it away. Let's take it away. First off, what do you think the definition of evil is, one? And, and two, before I ask you that question, I would just like to say to the audience uh, coming in, we will be having a part two to this where all comments and questions are welcome. But for now, we would appreciate if you would just listen until we get to that portion of the show. So I'm so sorry. What was your question? What is your definition of evil? What do you believe evil to be? Uh, Something or someone who is immoral, um, wicked, um, just just something that just glorifies sinful ungodly just wrong behavior is what i think of when i think of evil Mm. okay so a person so in the classical sense of someone who is participating in the absence of morality like they or they they don't have morals or they're not abiding by uh morality they're acting in what like what is their in, in what is their motive in let's say the evil that they do Absolutely. Um, like for me, I, someone that's pure evil, I don't, of Mina's definition is just mm-hmm. someone who, like, I, I feel like if you're being evil, I feel like you are actively trying to be in that mindset, trying to be, you know, immoral or wicked or um, mal- malevolent. I can't even say that right, but just, just, just vicious. You know, no matter what, whatever, and and that can be on any scale, whether it's, you know, you're being quote unquote evil to yourself, to people you know, to strangers, when you are genuinely just trying to 
conflict harm or a hardship on someone or something. That's an interesting definition. That's actually not one that I would say that I, I was thinking about, like to, to intentionally inflict harm. A person that does evil is a person that intentionally inflicts harm. That's a good definition. I like it. Someone who has malevolent intent, right? Okay, that Thank makes... Thank you. That was the that word was I was trying to say. Malevolent. <laughs> 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 yeah, so a person who has malevolent intent would be considered evil. Okay, so in that same breath, do you think the person with the malevolent intent believes that they are evil <laughs> in some cases no <laughs> and i shouldn't i shouldn't laugh because it's, it's a serious topic but no <laughs> i would have to say and i can't give a def i can't i would say 50 50 i feel like half the time people are aware of their fallen nature as i always say because we're all flawed and then there's okay. other people and I'm going to get in mind you, these are not correct stats, so don't quote me. But in Amina's head, you know, there's a good portion of individuals who are aware of it. They, they may try to do better or they just don't care, but they know and they're honest with themselves. And then there are other people mm -hmm. who either they just don't know better or in their mind, which is scary, they are doing no wrong or it's normal, the behavior that they're engaging in. And so mm. those are the ones that you're just like, oh, okay. Mm. So you then you do ourselves? think it. Go ahead. You do <laughs> think it's possible for a person to actively be aware that they are doing evil then, or participating Absolutely. or being evil. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so, and I there's times. Go ahead. There's times where I'll straight up be like, oh, I'm being petty. <laughs> no, I, I try not to be evil because I feel like if we're going to go with the definition of evil and you just I just feel like there's such a like you know just a, such a disdain when you think of evil it just has such a horrible notion connotation behind it um, I don't intentionally try to be evil but mm -hmm. sometimes you know I'll be messing with it with evil's little cousin pettiness you know what <laughs> I mean like I'm <laughs> I'm not going to front. Sometimes I'll be a little petty betty and I'll be like, okay, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me reel her in. And and I think we all kind of have those moments like compromising the characters. <laughs> petty betty. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to have to coin that. <laughs> um, <laughs> where, where the worst in us comes out. Right. And I, but I think right. you hit it on the nail when you were mentioning it earlier, when you were like, it, it, it seems to advocate for some idea of moral agency. Like when we're talking about evil, it seems to be capturing not not like simply mistakes, right? But mm -hmm. but the your end game, what's your end motive? That's what it kind of seems like we're talking about. When we're talking about evil. So I would say probably a, a lot more of a convert. Like when you compare it to good, something that's good, something good versus evil, it seems that you're talking about the agency. Which agency are you participating in? Where are you putting your ability to influence? Like where is it going? Um, mm -hmm. and th there's this concept called Machiavelli Machiavellianism and the mm -hmm. idea of Machiavellianism is this idea that the ends always justifies the means mm. so so okay then let's, let's talk about that so like so in this case lot, not simple instances of pettiness per se but more so 
uh, when you're talking about big things like World War Two or or like the what, what was that? It was a Christian guy who got everyone to drink the Kool-Aid and they all died like like those kind of in-game things where the ends justify the means. Does those, do those people can first off this, I guess there's a multi-level question here. One, does yeah. the end justify the means, right? And okay. do the people who believe that the ends can justify the means, are they evil? Yeah, that's a deep question. I guess it's all about perspective. You know, yeah. who who benefits from the true victory at of the at the end of whatever the engagement is, because not everybody's going to benefit. You know right. who who it really just depends on your perspective. Which side of history are you on? That you are justifying mm. why this evil must occur. Right? So, why I, this evil I don't, is happening? Yeah. Especially and it's, it's, if you it are kind of difficult. It does. It can get, and there's, there's no black and white with this. It's a bunch of gray mess that you have to swim through because not everything, mm-hmm. like I said, not everything is black and white. You know, they're, they're, and, and they're encroaching on our territory. This is our land. They must be right. stopped. You know what I right. mean? Oh, oh, no. Yeah, so they, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Finish your, finish your, uh, your thought, your idea. Yeah, because at the end of the day, oh, hold on. At the end of the day, it's just a matter of perception. That's all I was saying. Oh, and, and that's true. Okay, so I'm an anime head. Oh, I forgot we're buddies in this. Have you seen Tokyo yes. Ghoul? I you know have. of it, but I have not. I have not watched it, but I know so of it. I can't it, yeah. spoil it because it's really good. But the whole idea uh, for everyone who hasn't watched it, it kind of gears up to this uh, last episode in this kind of like dystopian world where there are ghouls who cannot eat anything but humans to live and so in that world in that life they're often viewed as classically evil right but the Mm -hmm. question is what else am i supposed to do when i need to eat to live to survive and so they're trying to capture this idea that to live means to inflict harm on something else right Right. To I mean, be alive means that you are you are taking an opportunity away from someone else's life. Absolutely. I mean, there are that, people that could argue that, you know, we kill animals for their meat and their fur that we are, we're being evil. Right. It's all a matter of perspective, but I need to eat. This is how I sustain myself with that protein. Right. It's all about perspective. And then on the other side of that, like, well, you can live off plant life alone. You don't need this. You don't. There's other ways to get protein. Like, you know, it, and so is it is it cla- is it classically wrong? And I would have to say that a lot of the ways that these com- companies are producing meat kind of makes me feel guilty. It's actually terrible. <laughs> like the way that they farm pigs. Actually, um, there's a famous atheist. Um, well, I would say he's more of an agnostic atheist. And so he often has a lot of discussions. He just had a TED talk and he was talking about how our abuse of animals is actually also to our disservice because when you incubate animals and you breed them in that close of a, a field, 
They're not supposed to be that close together. You're making a breeding ground for disease and things to be in the in the meat and the stuff that we eat. I thought that was very Absolutely. interesting. Yeah. But it is a very subjective definition of harm. And so almost what going back to the show, Tokyo Ghoul, well, it was almost implying that the person who is benevolent, that the person who is kind is actually evil because they're a hypocrite in that they inflict harm on themselves. And in the place that they inflict harm on themselves, they are now a disservice to all of the people that they love and care about because they cling to this idea of loving your enemies and loving everyone around you so tightly that it was of negative impact to the people that mattered the most to them. Mm. And that was, that was kind of juicy. Like, what do you think about that? I don't know. It's crazy how, especially animes, when they want to bring out a certain point, they'll twist things around. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Say that one more time. So they're evil because of the way that they view and love their loved ones. Can you explain that one more time? So, okay, you have the classic example of of the good guy, right? The person that even when evil is done to them, they still do good, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. so in that place where they still do good, even when other people are does evil, that's what we clinically, classically kind of view as good. But the right. show was saying that, well, as you continue to tolerate evil and you don't pose a threat back to evil itself, you are causing harm not only to yourself, but you are compromising your ability to protect that which is good. Yeah. Right. I get that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so so it's this idea. Are you producing evil? Right. There's this is one idea of evil. But then there's another flip side to this is are you protecting what is good? And if you are not protecting what is good, which is including yourself, then are you evil? And mm. this is kind of the question that was kind of posing. Yeah, no, I, I like that because I can make that relate to to modern times. Um, right. and I love how you pose that because I kind of agree with that. Like I always think about the person who watches the wrongdoing has the ability mm-hmm. to step in or to do something to lessen the pain or, or to help the situation, but they don't, they stay mm. silent, they stay in their lane and they keep it pushing. And I always think, well, you know what? You're now allowing evil to prevail because you had the ability to do something, to intervene, to help out, yet you decided to self-preserve yourself in hopes that evil would not come to you and keep mm. it moving. So I don't know. That's just kind of what I took from that when you were de- describing um, that scenario. Yeah, I th- and I think that's a good one. And, and there's like several variations of this. It's not just that one. But it, what happens like, when when harm is done to you, what happened when harm is done to you and you mm-hmm. don't? Okay, so lately I've been on my on my social media platforms as I am producing. I've been having a lot of quotes about being dangerous, right? And people have challenged this. Uh, people who are empathetic or or compassionate in nature have really yeah. been giving me a lot of pushback against this idea of of being dangerous right like Mm -hmm. i don't most people today view being nice or compassionate or meek 
as being harmless. Right? And they should mm-hmm. not be the same thing. You should not be harmless. You should not be harmless. You should be able and capable of producing harm against things that you that you see as evil or that you see as negative or bad or wrong. Right? You should not be harmless. You should actually be very dangerous. How are you going to protect, you know, going back to that idea, how do you protect what is good if you pose a threat to nothing? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually can't. on your I'm actually on your social media right now. And I'm like, let me look <laughs> to see what he is saying. Can I say one of your quotes? Is is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You will never be dangerous if you don't understand the mind of the person you're threatening. Mm. Yes. So that 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 the quote that you're listing there is kind of a comment on egocentricism, right? So right. people are often extremely offended by others' ideas. They're extre- like they view how the hell could you see this this way? Like how could you view this in this light, right? Like as if it's unfathomable that someone thinks differently than you. And so my idea is to reframe and reintroduce the idea of empathy as something that is not just a service that you give to other people. It's not something that's harmless and amicable where you're friendly and you understand everyone, right? It's also empathy can help you understand radical thinking that's extremely different than yours. I would argue right. that, that people who are really good at chess, war, or anything of those natures have to have some form of empathy to understand the way that another person thinks, like you, it goes beyond simple strategy. It goes way beyond strategy. There's understanding strategy, but when there are so many different strategies that a person can choose, how do you get better at predicting the strategy that they will pick? And you do that by knowing how they think or what matters to them. All right. Am I back? And Sorry. So, yeah, you're here. I went to your next one, your next post, and started talking to me, and it took me away from stereo. I was like, no, 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 come back. (laughs) (laughs) But please keep going, because this is so interesting, and I love it. I love how you push the boundaries of what people perceive and the concepts in their mind. So keep going. I love it. Yeah, so so this was the idea that it was entertaining. That was the thing. Like, like there is strategy, and people, a, a rebuttal to my idea is that that's not empathy, that's logic or strategy, right? But And mm-hmm. so what I'm saying back to that is when there's so many strategies that you can have, well, then what is the difference between strategizing and empathizing, right? Well, mm-hmm. because there are so many different strategies and methods of thinking, your ability to know them more personally is what's going to make the difference between conquering your enemy in that setting if that makes sense right like right. like do if i understand and i always use hitler <laughs> i always use hitler uh here's a better example um and an example that i like and this will transition us into a different uh portion of the conversation um mm-hmm. the joker right batman and joker one of, i think one of the reasons those are such a popular dynamic of hero and villain is not simply because um the Joker is a great villain. He is. He's an excellent villain. But it's also because they dance around each other's psychologies. 
and they're actually mm. a lot more alike than they than than most people would think. They're kind of like two sides of the of the same coin, right? And so, so it's like uh, Batman's ability to stop him is not just because he's a great hero, it's not because he's a great detective, and not because he's just a great uh, you know strategist. It's partly because at some point he identifies with who the Joker is. Mm. So he has that empathy, like he can kind of understand certain right. mental aspects of him. I see where you're going with that. Right. Right. And so what I'm saying is people have this really, really, really big issue with understanding, comprehending, relating to, and rationalizing why people think much different than them. And I promise this has practical applications. There's applications all over uh, sex, like LGBT community. There's applications Mm. all over uh, capitalism versus socialism. There's applications in this, like in religion, like how could you believe certain things are a sin or whatever the case. Like to understand radical different thoughts than what you think is a very, very necessary skill. And to stop presuming that people should naturally think the way that you do. Absolutely. And I love that you say this because when I lived in Virginia, I had a pastor in course, especially with the political climate that we've experienced within the last four years and even continuing now, um, living in a little town in Virginia, majority, either you were white or black. I didn't really see a lot of different ethnicities. That was the main ones. And this pastor who happened to be white, was for a period of time continuously encouraging the congregation to please find somebody that looked different than you, thought differently, different than you did, you know, had a different lifestyle, sit down and to have a genuine open conversation. And he himself would um, approach his friends or, or acquaintances that were of different ethnicities than he was and says, what does life look like through your eyes? What are mm. the positives that you're going through? What are the negatives? Now, mind you, I'm paraphrasing what he said. I'm not quoting exactly what he says. But the, the idea was to take time out and, ch- and channel and, and understand the world, someone else's worldview. So that exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying, you'll be able to have empathy. You'll be, you'll be slower to judge. And you'll be mm-hmm. able to stand up and, and be able to defend or educate people who look like you when they have negative or misinformation when it's people uh, applying to people that don't look like them. And I thought that mm-hmm. was so powerful. And I had a small group where I was one at, at, at any given time, I would be the only black or maybe there would be another black individual and in a predominantly white small, small group, which we call mm-hmm. in a Christian. We have small groups. Um, and this was really um, a really big thing for me because I was supposed to be in a group of women who, in theory, are there to support you, are there mm-hmm. to lift you up in your time of need and cheer for you when you win. And during the George Floyd incident, I did not feel very supported by my group of women. You know, they did not, you know, check in on me and be like, hey, how are you feeling? How's it going? And when I called them out on it, as in, mm. why are you not checking on me, knowing that this is my 
my culture, my background that and I have told you in multiple settings that, you know, I am that person who when I'm driving down the street, especially being in the South, that when I do, you know, drive next to a police officer, I do feel a certain way. I get nervous and I have to pray, Lord, please don't let them pull me over and treat me wrong. You know, mm. I was like, that could have been me. That could have been my husband. Why do you not reach out? And they simply said, because I didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to be offensive. But they thought wow. that their silence was the best course of action, which really them just asking me, hey, what are you feeling? Hey, what's going on? Hey, tell me, you know, what, what does this feel like? That would have made the difference because they, in that sense, they would have been empathetic. Then, you know, and and I actually had my group leader who was the only one who did say, hey, let's have a conversation about this. You know, what does this look like? What what does this mean to you? How can we help? That made that made a difference. You know, how can I help you? And if I can't help you, would would me be help? Would you just getting things off your chest? Would that make a world of a difference? Because there are some situations you can't help somebody. But right. you, you can physically, but at least emotionally, you can just let them vent. Yeah. And so, so like these, so these are people that you didn't understand. Like, why wouldn't you give me compassion? Why wouldn't you reach out? I'm obviously standing out amongst this group of people who look the same besides myself and no one said anything. And so it was something as like uncomfortability where they just, they didn't know how to interact and they didn't want to cause any injury to the situation more than it was okay for you like relating that back like are you saying that in this instance you were the person that had to understand someone different than you because they didn't reach out or you are are you implying that they were the person that had to step up to the challenge to understand someone that was different than them it was a bit of but it was a bit of both but for the beginning of it it was me having to show them grace because i knew that if the shoe was on the other foot and i saw their race or their ethnicity being challenged, you know, I would have stepped in and be like, this is unacceptable. I would have been a voice. I would have defended. I would have been like, are you okay? You know, because I remember at that point in time, a lot of, you know, African-Americans, a lot of black individuals in the States really didn't want to go out, especially in the South. We were all like, no, we're just going to stay home because we didn't know what was going to come amongst the masses because of, of that event. We didn't know if there was going to be any hate crimes or whatever. So we just decided to stay in. And then COVID was kicking in. Like, it was just a lot. And I just remember just feeling so scared in that period of time. And so I had to show grace because they weren't there. But when I called them out on it, then they had to step up and be honest with themselves. You Mm. know, and so kind of relating it back to what you said about, you know, you or the quote that you put, you never, you will never be dangerous if you don't understand the mind of the person you're threatening. I, I feel like they were being dangerous when they didn't come to me and seek out education and truth upon the matter. Because a lot of these ladies in my, my small group were married to black men who have Mm. mixed babies. Mm. And just because you physically don't have to deal with these issues, your babies will. Your blood will. So it would have behooved them to understand exactly what the struggle is. And they will not be dangerous to breaking down stereotypes and racism unless they educate themselves Mm. and be able to, one, educate their children and two, educate their family that looks like them and be like, hey, this cycle of hate has to stop. 
because now not only are you being just negative to this world, you're being negative to your own blood. Wow. That's, that's, that's a lot. And, and I'll, I like how you related it back to the quote. Um, yeah. And so I, that was a great anecdote. I see. And that's, those are the best things to have. Like when you're talking about something like this, to have uh, actual examples that tie back into exactly what you mean. And so like uh, in this example where we're kind of talking about like racism and this is and this is going to set a lot of people. No one's going to like what I'm about to say, but this isn't the point. I'm advocating that people should be dangerous. They should be. You should be very dangerous. But people only think about being dangerous to other people, which is necessary. And I am arguing that. But it's not all that I'm arguing. You should be dangerous to the idea of evil. Yeah. Right. You should be dangerous. How are you going to do anything if you have no ability? And this is something that I used to challenge. I used to say that it's not simply good enough to be good. It's not simply good enough to be kind or compassionate. This is excellent. We can't underestimate the value of those things. But it's also severely important that you are competent. You have to be you have to be competent. Like if you are in a room full of vipers, you need to know how to survive. And and your ability to survive in a room full of vipers alone makes you dangerous. Like it, it makes you dangerous. Absolutely. You pose a threat. If you wanted to do something, you could, right? So, and so that's the kind of idea. And then the last thing I'll say about that, this is the thing that people aren't really going to like. Let's talk about racism. Would you say that a racist person is evil? Yes and no. Okay. Go ahead. Because you I'm with me. you. I like, playing, I like playing devil's advocate. So... And, and let me let me backstep because you, you hit a big point that I don't want to be over missed. Okay. Empathy is the name of the game. Empathy, 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 or at least from what I said earlier, looking through life through someone else's lens. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are the two driving forces of this conversation right now. Okay. So with that stated, you grow up somewhere, right? And I'm going to say the South just for a frame of reference. And all you know is what you have learned from your family. And they, and this can go from both ways. It's not just always whites against blacks. It can be blacks against whites. Okay. Mm -hmm. You grow up and your family tells you that the other people who live on the other side of the tracks are horrible. They're dumb. They're lazy. They're blah, 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 blah. That's all you know. You don't hang out with people that don't look like you. This is your norm. Okay, so Mm -hmm. if that's all, you know, and if I have to, if I have to, but, but, you know, when the people who you do interact with, you're kind, you show empathy, you go out of your way, you're super sweet. I'm going to argue that maybe you're not necessarily evil. You're just acting about how you were raised and how you were known. Mm -hmm. My My biggest definition was a person's evil when they're knowingly conflicting or putting uh, hurt or discomfort to something or to someone. Mm. Okay. If you don't know better, you're not going to do better. But the moment you say, if you're a black person, cause I'm gonna put it on me, say you're a black person and you can, and you have been raised to hate white people or Asian people or Hispanics. But the moment you step out of that little bubble 
okay, and you meet somebody who's kind and loving and they show you that just because you look different, you know, doesn't it, it, it just because you look different doesn't mean anything that you guys are still equal, that you guys are just beautifully and wonderfully made, that you guys can both contribute things. Once your worldview has expanded mm-hmm. and you understand that you are no different than anybody else in that capacity and you choose to still be quote unquote racist, to me now you are being evil. Well, then now my question you is because you know better. In that case, what, why would, what, if they, if their worldview is expanded in the way that you say, why would they still participate in those behaviors? Like, what is the motive? Exactly. Because once you are educated, you are now responsible for your actions. Okay. You know that this is not okay. Then stop. I don't care if you don't want to be shunned by your friends and your family. You know, at at some point in time in life, you are going to know what's, you know, what's right from wrong. And it is your responsibility to ensure that you are doing what is right, if that is your motive. Because we all have free will. Some people mm. know, you know, in 2021, even though I gave that, you know, really extreme scenario, at the end of the day with technology and television that, that tries to show you that unity is a necessity. Mm-hmm. If you see those images and yet you still want to be you know, act in a certain negative way, that's on you. That's wow. on you. And, and like I said, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist. This is just a little Amina in her own little worldview. You know, you asked me if, if racist individuals were evil. And I said, once you, my answer is once you know the truth, once you have been enlightened and you see that we all, and you understand that we all have blo- red blood in us or we all have blood, we, we bleed the same you know, that we all have the same characteristics. We just are a little darker. If you still decide to act in that nature, then you are you are perpetuating evil, in my opinion, when you know that. Well, better. I would definitely agree that, that they are definitely perpetuating evil. Like, I would agree. So, but my question is more, like, and I, I really want us to speculate here. Seriously, if a person's worldview and their mind has been expanded to other perspectives and reality, why would they continue to persist in that behavior? What would their motive be? Like, well, you is have to it ask somebody who does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. You, Some people so, believe. So, that. self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay, so Some I want to pe- rewind actually, real quick. Go ahead, finish what you're saying, and I want to rewind after you finished. I mean, I think you hit it on the nail. I mean, I can't speak for that person because that's not how I try to act, but with that stated, I would assume from what I've mm-hmm. seen, okay, that, you know, there's some individuals who feel like they and the people that look like them should still be number one, should still be on the top. And even if it's not necessarily a, uh, the skin color thing, maybe it's it's as applied to financial wealth, you know, stay in your lane, stay in your financial class. You know, you don't come from old money. You didn't go to these you know, um, prestigious universities. So I don't know. And I think I love how you said self-preservation because that seems to be a lot going around lately. And and it's human nature. I completely like self-preservation, put yourself first. And that's actually going back to Tokyo Ghoul, the anime. That's part of what it was advocating for. That's part part of what it was saying, right? Like if your life is at threat and it actually happens to be a choice of you versus them. Are you self-righteous enough to say that you will always choose them? 
over yourself, right? Like in, in, a, in a fawn of being good. Like you, you pretend to be this good person, but deep down you, you're not as convicted as you pretend to be about this answer of being benevolent. Right. And it, so but so kind of rewinding what I wanted to touch on, we kind of earlier defined evil as like an absence of moral. Right. Or like right. intending harm. The interesting right. thing about this and that why I think it's so interesting that we mention self-preservation in this conversation is because actually no one exists without morals. Literally no one. Even if you wanted to tell me a psychopath who does not have a conscience Mm -hmm. They have morality. They just don't have the same set of rules for the morality that you that another person has right, right. there. And this is common. Like if you look through rel a religious history, there used to there's a lot of faiths that sacrifice babies and an attempt for youth and prosperity and blessing. Right. Um, there were places that they used to I think they used to beat on drums or play music to outblast the screams of the children that they were sacrificing. Yeah. And so we would be like, oh, my God, they're evil. But honestly and truthfully, it's they believe in a different moral code than another person. So then Absolutely. if we're going to define evil as the absence of moral, well, then that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. It's all, right. And so it's, it's like, can that person believe that they are evil? And so I've been asking this question. I haven't answered it myself. Personally, my stance on this is no. I don't believe that a person can believe that they are evil. In the present moment that you make a decision, you are, you may have some cognitive dissonance about it. And maybe you lied to yourself. Like maybe you said it was evil, right? But if you truly viewed something to be evil, would you do it? And going back to the Joker case, the reason I love this example is because it's not that he's endorsing evil. He's endorsing chaos, He's right. endorsing chaos, violence, right? Because he gets a so, kick out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. No, it's deeper than that. It's, 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 that's how he makes sense of the world. Like mm. to him, the world makes sense only because it is chaotic. Like right. if there were natural order to the world, how could it look like this? How could the world intentionally be ordered in such a violent way? unless it was chaotic and so he yeah. endorses chaotic so it could look like that he's intentionally doing evil it could look that way but the question the but the real truth is his perception of what is good is what is classically viewed as evil so he is intending evil but to him intending evil is the equivalent to doing good yeah. So going back to that question, does the Joker believe he is evil? No, but I I would fair to argue with no. you. I would Isn't I would but the, the the Joker I get what you're saying because that's his perception and he's living his truth. Go ahead, Joker, okay. do what you do. But I would have to argue that people there are some people who do and would say that they are internally evil. And with that stated, I think that they, I, I think that, I'm not going to say confused. I mm -hmm. would probably say that they're a little bit more harder on themselves 
than they okay. necessarily need to be, or or maybe they're a little bit more honest than most people. And I say this mm-hmm. because when I was studying up on this, um, I was reading PsychologyToday.com, and it posed a really okay. good it posed a really good um, theory, and it was saying how like people that there's a surprisingly large number of people that basically think that internally they are evil. And it says they explain this by saying that although they behave morally, they are evil in what they see as their true authentic self, which is their inwardness. They see their good, kind behavior in the external world as just a pretense. They take themselves to really be evil because they sometimes, and this is where I feel like it's kind of like in the gray area, they believe that they're evil because that sometimes they have bad and aggressive fantasies, thoughts, emotions, and drives. And this, they believe, shows who they really are. And when and I, I think was that's reading true that, about everyone. Exactly. That's true about everyone. And I always say that, in, that because in my Christian beliefs, I believe that we're in a fallen world. That, you know, we, ever, all of us have it in us. To have evil tendencies, thoughts, moments, but even though your nature may be inclined to quickly get angry or want to lash out or want to hit somebody or hurt them, or even that time sadly hurt yourself, I do believe that you still have free will. And there are times where people can ring that in. You still mm-hmm. have to decide. It's one thing to have an emotional thought or, or just a thought. But it's do you have enough discipline to not allow that thought be an actual action against someone else as well as yourself? Do you have that Mm. discipline? And if you do have that discipline and that restraint to not act upon that thought, then do you transition from being evil to a person who has morals because you were able to take that that sinful nature and, and put it in a box or subdue it? So that now your outwardly person is not what reflects what's inwardly. Because there's a lot of evil people, and I say evil loosely in this sense, who <laughs> will pre- who will fake the funk, who will pretend to be super helpful and super loving, and 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 will go out of their way for people. But inside, they're really doing it because it's they're they're pl- they're plotting, they're planning, they're trying to get favors so that you'll owe them something. So at the end of the day. Um, whether a person believes that they're evil or not, I believe there's a little evil in everybody. Just <laughs> do you act upon that or not? <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I'm just, I think I broke it down a little too much, but I, I no, love I don't, going with it. I don't think okay. you did at all. I think, I think you're, I these are, you're bringing in necessary questions to ask. And there are several questions that come out of it. One is, one of the questions is, how do you define a person who is evil? Do you define a person who is evil by a person who does evil? Mm-hmm. Right? Is that how you define them? Or is this a person who has evil desires or motives or intentions? Is that how you right. define evil? Right? And so I would say psychologically, yes, people definitely believe that they are evil, which is why terms such as shame and condemnation exist. But at right. the same time, you can make the counter argument if they truly believe that they're evil, they still allow that evil to exist, persist, and survive, right? Their motive from a, from a uh, almost genetic position is aiming for pr- to preserve, right. right? 
They want to preserve. So if they truly believe that they're evil, then they want to preserve evil, even if it is evil. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like, even if I am evil, I want to live. And therefore, since I am evil and I want to live, well, then evil has to live. And so Mm -hmm. in that moment, I don't believe uh, philosophically anyway that a person can truly believe that they are evil because if they did, like it would contradict their own existence. I think in retrospect, we can believe that we are evil, but that's only after our perception has changed. It's only after uh, their perspective have shifted from one thing to another, right? So what's happened in this moment is there's a micro shift in their morality. And so now that the morality is different than a, a previous state of their morality, when they look back on that previous state, then they view it as evil only now because it's different than the present morality that they have inherited but then the question is can you presently in a moment that you agree and decide to make a decision believe that it's evil and i think that's hard and so the people may ask why are we having this conversation and we listed some of the reasons before but i have a very interesting philosophy i believe that everyone has the right to their moral agency whether they are evil or not and so as this person is making their decisions, right, um, mm-hmm. they are, they, in my argument that a person cannot believe that they are evil, then what they're advocating for is their idea of morality. Right. Right. If we're, in a, if we're going for the sake of this conversation and the fa- for the sake of going further in this, if we're going to temporarily like presume that a person cannot in a moment believe that they're evil then what we're saying is they're fighting for their moral agency. Everyone exists in this space and they're trying to make an impact on the world and the which they think they should see. Right. And so my argument is whether it's evil or not, everyone should do that. Like, even if it's bad, like even if a person is racist, this is something that they should advocate for. And this may sound far-fetched, but you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. So you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this person's ludicrous. Why would you entertain or why would you support or promote the idea of someone uh, supporting evil or supporting injustice or support injustice? Why would you support that? Like, why would that be something that you advocate for? And this is why I say that. Because if it's not advocated for, then it's, then it's silent and it's hidden and it still exists. So if, if there's this big battle royale of ideas and, and of agency, there's got to be a winner, even if the winner's not today. And it's only after a person has introduced their problematic ideologies that they can be addressed. Right? Like, like if a person okay. truly believes ooh. in it. Hold on, because I was like, ooh, I don't I don't. I don't agree with this brother, but I see how you switched it. <laughs> I saw where you're going with it. I was like, what are you talking about? It's when they <laughs> it's when they speak their truth, even if it's not a becoming truth. When they speak it, then others know to help educate them and to show them what really is. Is that what you're going with that? Because I was like, ooh, what are we what are we talking about? Yes, that is where I'm going, but it's deeper than that because person still in that moment believes that they're just as right as the people who are educating are so they're going to okay. push back right like this is right, where the right. danger comes in the, this is why it's important to be dangerous Absolutely. because you're in a battle 
it's, it's just a much more sophisticated battle than we give it credit for. There are a lot of variables. It's not simply about character. Character is really important, but character is only one element. There's also intelligence and competence, right? There's also how far are you willing to go as the end justifying the means, right? Going back to that kind of conversation, right? And, and because we believe that people can believe that they're evil, I think in a certain sense, it stops us from allowing the things that we would really like to defeat and eradicate from being exposed, right? If you have a parasite or if you have an infestation, the first thing that you're going to have to do to get rid of that infestation is to flood it out or to expose where the infestation is. You can't handle the infestation if you can't spot it or see it. Mm. Yeah. Which means people need to be able to fight. And it may be and it, it may be ugly and it may be dangerous, but both sides need to be able to come and fight if we are to, to have like a winning side or the side that we want to win. Um, so there was a question and there's only one person on the planet who has the information that you need to live. And they do not care to respect you. They do not care to value you. They give they would rather you die. But they're the only person that has the information on whether you live or die or not. Would you die if you had to get the information from them? And this is and so to further elaborate on this example, they're not intending to help you. They're not intending to give you the information that will save your life. That's not what their motive is. It's just that if you choose to honor them and we were talking about a definition of honor. And so in this definition of honor, what we said was, we said that honor was uh, acknowledging that a person has value. So even if it's the janitor, acknowledging that that janitor has value. And so we took it further, right? So not just from humble states of life, like maybe a person didn't get a doctorate degree, but honoring that they may know something that you don't, that can have um, some benefits to your life. So we were taking it a step further. And so then it was like, can you honor an enemy? Can you note that an enemy has value? And so the way that I pose this is in this example. You have a life or death situation. The only person that has information to prevent your death is someone who hates you, who would actually prefer that you die, and they disrespect you. But the only way that you can preserve your life in this situation is if you honor them. Would you do it? Could you do it? Could you see them as something that was valuable? And, and yes, because they have the information. Well, and, and, and they're the only. It, ex- it goes over than that. Is it? Look, at the end of the day, whether they agree with you or not, that's still a soul. That's still a person. When I watch war documentaries, it breaks my heart. Whether it's whether I'm cheering for the left or the right, because at the end of the day, both sides think they're right. It's their perspective. At the end of the day, that's someone's child. That's somebody's brother, husband. You know what I mean? Regardless of how they treat me, somebody loves them. They mean something to someone. They, in my opinion, they only get one life. And to squander it on something frivolous is heartbreaking to me. So whether I like you or not, your soul still matters. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. My, the previous people that I talked to were not as compassionate as you. So it, it had to be about their life. <laughs> but so, yes, I, I definitely would agree. I wouldn't say that. 
that every life has value. But for people who are a little bit more like self-interested than that, I would, I gave this example. And so the example is if you like your life and you want to live, you have to acknowledge the value that someone else has. And that value is that information that could save your own life. And so that was the scenario that I presented it to them. So the reason that I presented it into this way is because in this free for all that I'm talking about, people are going to intend harm to you and your ideas, just like you are intending to harm their ideas. Right. Maybe you're not intending to harm them. Maybe you're intending to harm their ideas. Right. Right. Um, right. You want to damage them. So it's just free for all. They may spit words at you and they may cut you, but you have to be intelligent enough not to give them empathy purely for the fact that it's a service and you love them and you care about them and every life has value. But you need to be able to empathize with them from an intellectual standpoint. Like, I need to be able to dissect, dis, dis, dissect and rip apart my enemy. This is my enemy. Right. This is someone that I'm opposed to. And I'm not right. aiming to kill them. I'm aiming to kill their ideas. What is necessary for me right. to do that? Well, sometimes, like, for instance, like, it's basically you're disarming their hate, their their maleficent <laughs> you're basically and, and i and i would do this with my jobs like i would be if i was working customer service and i had a customer come in they were irate they were irritated they were yelling they were calling me up my name it was basically in an intelligent way i would basically have to talk them down i would have to show them the respect that they are currently not showing me at that mo in that moment and in and be empathetic so that they knew that what that they were being valued that they were being heard and most of the time that would bring them back to a level of respect where we can now calmly interact with one another. Had I not valued that person then and their feelings, then we wouldn't have had such a positive outcome. Or if I hadn't valued my job, if we're going to be self-preserving, you know, I can't come at you sideways like you coming at me right now because I'm going to lose my job. So it was a little bit of both, but it was learning how to value them and their moment of irritation and pain that I was able to quickly, you know, take control of the situation, you know, and that takes you, that takes discipline and that takes the ability to humble yourself because not a lot of people will sit there and get yelled at in their face, keep mm -hmm. their composure and then yet still extend empathy. Oh, I'm so sorry. Ms. Jones. I, you know what? I, I understand. I would be so angry too if I spent my hard-earned money on this and I didn't get the service that I was supposed to get. Let me get you. Let me help you out. Let's make this right for you. It takes skill because you are now putting someone else's emotions and and position above yours. Yeah, that's that was awesome. That was good. And as we're concluding, I think that's those are good. As we're transitioning to the Q and A portion of this, I think those are some good end thoughts. And just to kind of expound on that, um, to wrap up everything that we're saying, this has been a conversation as just some intellectual banter, just something for fun, but I think also something that has a lot of deeper implications. And I believe that, you know, people are out here fighting for what they believe to be right, but it's under this, like, I think extremely self-righteous guise, like that, someone else can't believe that they're wrong or they're evil or what they're advocating for is evil. Like it's, it's like this, the cliche moment in a war where you realize the other person that you're fighting is actually human too. And they have a family 
And it's not that they're evil. It, you view them as evil because they're your opposition, but they're simply advocating for their well-being, their family, the people that's on the other side of what they're doing. And so this is important. This is important to understand ignorant people. This is un- important to understand uh, prejudiced people. This is important to understand hateful people who are challenging the ideas and motives. And they may actually have competent information to bring to the table that you've written off because you've deduced them as evil, right? So like the fact that you believe that they were intending evil caused you to dismiss them and not to honor them when they actually have a plethora of information and perspective to grow your own mind and what you see. And if you've written them off as a person who's merely trying to bring harm, you're going to miss all of that. And you're actually uh, stabbing your own goal you know, in the back, you're, you're, you're betraying your own motive if you cannot allow that. Right. And so I think this is important because we're in a day and age where people presume, like, if you don't agree with me, then you're evil. That's essentially what we do. If you don't agree with my way of seeing things, whether it's because you're ignorant or belligerent or you're a fool or you're hateful or you're xenophobic, you know, like, yes. And so actually, uh, everyone should go check it out on my podcast. The link's in the description. Um, we just uh, just had a release an episode earlier that was talking about this idea of discrimination, right? And so if you're wondering what are these other ideas that I should listen to and pay attention to, you should definitely chew on that, right? Because there's two, there's two sides to justice. There are people who are advocating for change, right? Because they believe that new justice will be introduced when you bring change. But there are also the people and the more conservative groups who are saying justice will be preserved if we stay the way that we are. So people advocating for change are afraid of the threat of losing, of losing the justice that could come. Whereas conservative people are afraid of losing the justice that is already here and that what we could lose in the process of the changes that people want to bring. And both sides have valuable information to contribute to that conversation.